The following podcast is part of the Underdog Sports Podcast Network. For advertising information or to find more great podcasts, visit us at www.theunderdogsports.com and follow us on Twitter at RealTheUnderdog. MLB show. Here are your hosts, the luckiest men on the face of the earth, Chase Fedorsky and Bryce Holden. Welcome to episode 187 of the Underdog Sports Baseball Show with Bryce Holden. My name is Chase Fedorsky. Fall Classic, game three tonight, 336 Eastern Time, Monday, uh, as we're recording. Game three of the World Series, first game in Philadelphia. 536 if my boss is listening. Uh, 536 if your boss is hell, 636 if your boss is listening. Um, big game tonight in Philadelphia. Game three series is tied 1 1. I'm sure the Philly faithful, the Philly fanatics are going to be wilding out. Uh, game two, I will be honest, I was at a wedding, I did not watch a single pitch, but I did watch a lot of highlights. Um, but game one was very exciting, huge, historically big comeback by the Phillies. Uh, to overtake the Astros. I'll be honest, when it was 5-0, uh, me and friend of the show, Eli Russo, when we were watching, we would say we would have bet on a sweep. Uh, but alas, that is not happening. Uh, so we will get into that, some new managerial hires, and much, much more to come. Uh, but first, we will start with our BovadaSportsbook.com pick of the week. Game three tonight, Lance McCullers for the Astros. Thor, Noah Syndergaard for the Phillies. Citizens Bank Park, minus one half, plus 128, minus 132 for the Strohs. Plus one and a half, minus 154, plus 112 for the Phillies. Over under is eight. What do you got? I think the over hits. I'd be more confident in the over, uh, more so than either team, but that's not very exciting. Podcast talk. If I had to pick one, I think I'm just going to pick Houston the rest of the way. I, I think they're going to have an advantage on the mound going forward. And if there's one for Philly to get, I mean, it's like at this point, it's not even about baseball. It's kind of more about numbers. And in a best of seven, this is a humongous game. This is the kind of game that if Philly wins the way that those fans will be, that would be the biggest advantage for the Phillies these next three days. It's those crazy fans that got in the stands. I agree with you. Like like they steal this game free. if I'm Philly, if I'm a Philly, I need to win two. I need to win two. I think one thing the Phillies did to prepare for tonight, to their credit, is before the World Series during that long extended time off, uh, they did have Noah Syndergaard throw a nine. I think it was about a 95 pitch simulated game. Um, with the hope being Syndergaard in his first two set, two postseason appearances went three innings. The bullpen will be rested, um, and even in the loss on Saturday. Uh, Rob Thompson didn't have to go to a lot of the high leverage relief pitchers, but again, you need Thor to go at least five, six innings in this game and match McCullers. Uh, McCullers said, you know, McCullers overall coming off that elbow injury, uh, off of a champagne bottle, he pitched just fine against the Yankees. Four runs total, I think it was three earned runs, uh, of those four and five plus innings. What first, uh, you, you, you glossed over it. I'm not sure what we mentioned about this last week. You're a fucking loser, man. Like, don't get injured. That that is like, what are you doing? No more celebration injuries. You seem like an idiot. 
I think he just wants to have fun. I think the problem to me is you did it. If you're going to hurt your elbow, let it be on the glove hand. Don't let it be near your giant Tommy John scar. That's my biggest issue with the whole thing. It's like you get paid millions of dollars. Don't like it's a celebration issue. Be a grown up. Come on. It's interesting. I, I, the more we've talked about it right now, the more I think the Phillies could have the edge tonight. But if I were to pick, I would pick the over and Houston as well. Um, and if you want a value play, you know, Kyle Tucker plus 500 to win the World Series because he hit those two home runs is the favorite right now. I would take Bregman plus 750. Um, all this guy does is hit in big moments. He had a big home run Saturday. He's got the most postseason home runs ever for a third baseman, and I think he's 30 years old. I think he's going to keep delivering. And then from the Philly side of things, Rio Muto had the big bop in game one, but don't overthink this. All Bryce Harper has done is hit. Um, If you want to hedge a little bit from the Phillies perspective, uh, there's no way they win this series without Harper dominating. So I would like Harper plus 700 as the MVP pick there. Do you have all these MVP odds up? I mean, again, I I know who I would take the World Series MVP, and I'll talk about it. I'll give that as a nice call that in the biz, a tease. I also think a sneaky play. Jeremy Pena plus 2,000. All he's done is deliver. I'm down to that. I got my sneaky play. All right. That's fair enough. Right, so, I don't even think it's that sneaky. Can I just – we're going to have to talk about game Just one. say the sneaky play. It's fine. I mean, I've been thinking about this all day. Framber Valdez is, is him. Like, Framber Valdez is that dude. Framber needs to win a second game in the series. But, again, more often than none, if you win two starts in the World Series, you win MVP. I, I just – I, to this day, am still pissed off. Um, and not, I mean, pissed off is a strong word. But in 2018, the fact to me that David Price bucked years and years of postseason criticism and won two of the six games, two of the five games that the Red Sox won in that World Series, and they gave the MVP to Steve Pierce, I still think is bullshit. Honestly, David Price with a World Series MVP on the resume. A has completely a, different resume. Has a, Cooper, has a much stronger case for Cooper Town. I I agree, but they gave it to Steve Pierce. And I like Steve Pierce. Nothing against him. I feel uh, like I do have something against Steve Pierce, but I'm not sure. I think he's a dick. I'll take your word for it. Um, let's talk about this game. Game one of the World Series, Friday night. 6-5 win for the Phillies. They stole game one at Minute Maid Park. Uh, they became the first team to beat the Astros this postseason, but also the first World Series team in 20 years to win a game in a trail by five runs. And this is going to be painful for Dusty Baker fans to hear. But the last team to win a World Series. Dusty Baker back- fans, the Venn diagram of Dusty Baker fans and human beings is a circle. Then it's painful for all of us to hear that 20 years ago, the Angels came back down five in game six against Dusty Baker's Giants. So he now holds that unfortunate distinction of being the manager of the last two teams in the past 20 years to blow five-plus run leads in the World Series. You know, there's a reason Dusty never won a ring, or he's yet to win a ring. Blowing a five-run lead in game six, I would say that's reason number one. Steve Bartman, number two. Yeah. Sorry, Steve. So the Astros led this game 5 nothing after three innings. And early no, on, I, don't think, I think that the Yankees, I feel like, could have beaten that Cubs team. Kerry Wood and Mark Pryor. It's as simple as that. Think of Randy Johnson and Kurt Schilling. Yeah, but we had uh, that 03 Yankees team was really good. And it's not like we didn't have moments. I mean, Jeter said in his own documentary that the team, I think that 03 Yankees team took their foot off the gas. Yeah, they overlooked the Marlins. I'll, I'll agree with that. Um, so game, game one, 
Aaron Nola gives up two early home runs to Kyle Tucker, and it's 5 nothing through three innings. That was when Kyle Tucker MVP bets were looking good. Kyle Tucker MVP bets were looking huge. You know, at this point, the Bavada odds for the Phillies to win, you were probably looking at like I know plus 1,000 to win that game. Over. You think more than that? I know it. What did you lie bet him at? I didn't. I heard uh, it was uh, 18 to 1. So what, plus 1,800? Yep. Yeah, we should have gotten in on that. Um, and amazingly enough, and we'll have some more statistics shortly, Justin Verlander, future first bout Hall of Famer, likely three-time Cy Young winner, um, but statistically speaking, might be the worst pitcher in the history of the World Series for somebody with an extended resume, uh, which is unbelievable. Um, Verlander had been perfect through three efficient innings, teams up 5 nothing, uh, and he had gone undefeated in his last 67 decisions in which a team gave him five or more runs of support. Um, but he couldn't hold the lead in part because he could hold on to the ball uh, with Reese Hoskins on first and one out in the fourth. JT Realmuto hit a liner into Verlander's outstretched glove. Ball popped out to prevent what would have been an easy ending double play with Hoskins going off of first. Verlander was only able to get that, the out of first and the inning could tire, uh, continued from there. Harper with a laser line and a right that fell in. Nick Castellanos single allowed one run to score. Alec Baum double played to two. At that point, it's 5-3. Um, and then in the fifth inning, number nine hitter lead off, uh, Brandon Marsh hit a leadoff double. Kyle Schwarber walked. Rio Muto doubled off the wall. 5-5 game. Uh, and then Verlander now has a 6.07 World Series ERA. He's 0-7 in eight World Series starts. And that's the worst of any pitcher with at least 30 innings pitched in the World Series. Um, this game I was watching live. I don't know how much you were able to watch Friday night. This was stunning. Uh, to me, Kyle Tucker comes out and hit those two home runs. They're up 5 nothing early. In my mind, this not just the game. The series is over. Yeah, I again, it's relatively unprecedented this happened. But I guess if there's a pitcher-manager combo that this is made for, it's World Series Verlander and Dusty Baker. I know Verlander obviously is your traditional old school workhorse. And again, the guy was so dominant against the Yankees in game one of the LCS. Six innings, one run, 11 strikeouts. Yeah, but dude, I, that game, I, we were watching, like, he didn't. No, we had our moments. Outside of the six consecutive strikeouts, we had our moments. My question for you is would you have pulled Verlander after the fourth with the score 5 3, given it looked like at that point he was off? No, because again, that's Justin Verlander. He. You, you can't replace. You can't pull. Who are you going to that you trust more than Justin Verlander? Even at eighty percent, you know it's hard to say because their entire bullpen from top to bottom has been so dominant this postseason that, especially given you had the travel day Sunday. I don't know. Maybe you go to the pen earlier, but it, this is also Monday morning quarterback. One hundred percent. It's Verlander. I agree. You keep him in. Yeah, you, you. He has the. You. You. You let Verlander try and get that. I can't. It's an elusive first World Series night. Yep. And still 0-7 in the World Series. Uh, Rob Thompson, to his credit, he managed this game with the urgency that Dusty probably didn't have. Jose Alvarado comes in in the fifth, their high-leverage lefty. Uh, Ranger Suarez, who was supposed to start game three, is now starting game four tomorrow. He comes in in the seventh. Sir Anthony Dominguez comes in in the eighth. Uh, Dominguez in the bottom of the ninth did get into a two-out jam. Um, and then Jose Altuve swipes second. But Nick Castellanos on a Jeremy Pena fly ball to shallow right made a fantastic diving catch to end the inning. Uh, and the game remained knotted at 5-5 going into extras. Do you think Castellanos, because he also made a huge catch against the Cardinals, do we think he's playing good defense or these catches are diving catches because he's so bad at defense or it's somewhere in between and we split the difference? I think it's somewhere in between edge to bad defense. 
that he has to, I mean, he can't make the re- I mean, look, he's making the plays. Like, if you're a Phillies fan, you don't give a shit. He's making the outs. Catch is a catch. Uh, and to set the stage for how big of a game JT Realmuto had, you know, he had the two-run double that tied this game up. Uh, at one point, it was either in the eighth or ninth inning, uh, he took a foul ball off the mask that obviously you and I are not professional athletes, but it would have killed us. Like, our brains would have been rattled, and we would have been vegetables the rest of our life. Shrugs it off, stays in the game. Um, and when the game went in extras, Luis Garcia is on the mound. Real Muto works a full count off of Luis Garcia and then hammered a four-seamer on the outside of the zone for an opposite field blast. Phillies are up 6-5. And then in the bottom of the 10th, uh, it did get interesting. Alex Bregman's one-out double put the pressure on David Robertson. Yuli Gurriel walks with two outs. And then there was a wild pitch to put runners on second and third. Albemus Diaz had a very entertaining at-bat. Uh, he was up two on two a two zero count. He was hit by a pitch, but he was called back to the batter's box by home plate umpire James Hoy, who ruled he did not try to get out of the way of the pitch. Two pitches later, he had a ground ball to third that was scooped up by Eduardo Sosa, thrown to first. Phillies complete the comeback six five. Um, my two thoughts from the extra innings here: one, it's almost like we forgot about JT Real Muto prior to the postseason. Is there a bigger gap in your opinion? No. Between the best player to position and second place than Real Muto and every other catcher in baseball right now, no, I, he's that much better than everyone else. It's, he really does. He's he's probably one of the only at this point because he stole twenty bags this year. Five tool catchers you and I have ever seen in our lifetime. I mean, if you want to do a cross sport comparison, he's Travis Kelsey. Perfect comp. I'm done. I'm done talking about it. Mic drop on your end. Um, and I give umpire James Hoy a lot of credit here because. I'm not going to go as far as to say Diaz leaned into it to try to get to first base and load the bases, but that's definitely what it looked like on TV. And in a big moment, he said, get your ass back here. You know, I like that because he didn't hesitate. And it's the same thing we always saw anybody refing. It's you just got to make your call. If you're going to go a judgment call route like that, you make it. And he never wavered. And honestly, it was probably the right call. Oh, I, to me, if to me, I, I almost had one small complaint about the call, and it was just that it wasn't called a strike when he leaned his elbow into the zone. Nah, you can't. That's it. Did hit him? Like you didn't? I thought it was just the Astros being scrappy. Couple other notes from this game: uh, Tucker hit homers in each of his first two at bats. It was the eighth multi-homer game in World Series history, first since Brandon Lowe in 2020, the first ever by an Astros player. Um, here would have been an interesting one for us to get odds on coming into the game. So for those of you who like Taco Bell, like Bryce and myself, uh, every year since 2015, there's been the Taco Bell steal a base, steal taco promotion. Fans uh, fans can win a free taco if a base is stolen during the World Series. First stolen base happens, um, and you get tacos. Taco clinching steals happen in game one, each of the fall classics uh, since 2018. Teams of the past Taco Heroes are 8-2 and two in the World Series with champions in each of the past five years. Take that with a grain of salt. What who would have thought? That's series, right? Huh? That's after the World Series when we get free tacos? Yeah. You get a Doritos Locos taco from a very specific window of time on a very specific day with only select stores participating, as I learned in college the hard way. But what New were the York, odds? New York's pretty good. We'll, we'll we'll take a break. We'll take a lunch break together that day. What were the odds, though, that Kyle Schwarber would have been the stolen baseman to get us all tacos? Not I exactly known as the most fleet-footed. I bet Jeremy Pena to do it. I would have said I would have said Altuve. Honestly, Altuve leads off the game with a, with a single because it's a World Series, and then he steals second, and we get tacos. 
mean, this, the way Altuve was hitting, I didn't trust him to actually get on base. Also a reasonable take. Um, and but Bovada see- had him at 700. Did you see what happened in the national anthem before the game? No. Eric Burden, Grammy-nominated singer. I don't know who he is. Um, but if you're singing out the national anthem for game one of the World Series, and there was also, keep in mind, not really any other sports Friday night. The MLB had World Series game one to itself on television, and he messed up the fucking words to the national anthem. Tough song. This is what he said. What so proudly we hailed at the twilight's last streaming instead of gleaming. This is not Spotify. We do not stream the national anthem. We sing it at the games. You're fucking millennials. They're all this with the streaming. Yeah, that that killed me. That absolutely killed me. Uh, so Astros take a one nothing lead, or the Phillies take a one nothing lead. Awesome six five comeback. Uh, going into game two with Framber Valdez on the mound. Um, Astros were slight Bavada favorites, even with Wheeler uh, on the mound for Philadelphia. Again, the game's in Houston. Frombers has been nails all postseason, like you said. Uh, and the Astros got on the board early on this one. Uh, Zach Wheeler's first pitch of game two uh, was lined to left for a double, hustle double from Jose Altuve. Altuve, this was his first huge impact game with the bat three for four. Uh, second pitch was punch pass, third baseman Alex Baum for a double from Jeremy Pena. And his fourth was over the left field wall um, for a double from Jordan Alvarez. A triple-double and an early edge, which would only grow uh, with an Alex Bregman two-run home run in the fifth, led to the Astros pulling out a 5-2 victory at Minute Maid Park to even the World Series at 1-1. Um, Framber Valdez, absolutely brilliant. Six in the third innings, one earned run. Um, and the Phillies did make this interesting late. Uh, Kyle Schwarber missed a two-run home run off a of reliever, Rafael Montero, not once but twice in the eighth. Uh, but again, those three doubles, Hadn't been a shock to the system for the Phillies. I mean, Wheeler had a 178 ERA in his first four starts of the postseason. Uh, those doubles were then turned into a 3-0 lead when uh, Philly shortstop Eduardo Sosa made a throwing error. Yuli Gurriel reached. Alvarez was able to score from third. And then again, Bregman, two-run homer, 5-0. That was last uh, the last inning of Wheeler's work in the fifth. Uh, Fromber, all told, four hits, three walks, nine strikeouts. I'm going to just interject before I go into the rest of his game real quick. Where does Framber Valdez at this point coming off of the regular season he had? He set the quality starts record. That's then- what I said. I said he's he's that guy. I I he is on the the way he's ended the season. I think he had some record for quality starts in. He did. Yeah, I think it was twenty six straight quality starts. He broke the Grimes record. And like the way he's striking, he looked so nasty against the Yankees. Wow. Where what I was going to ask you along those lines, where does he rank in terms of the top lefties in baseball right now? I I was thinking to see a top ten starter in the league. I think so. I mean, he's really good. I think he'll be my Cy Young pick next year. I don't know if I would – I would have to look to see if he's a top-10 starter in the league, but he's definitely on that really short list the way he's pitching right now. If it's win or go home, he's definitely in the consideration to get the ball because he's just a gamer. I mean, the worst outcome you're getting from a from Valdez start is not six innings and three yards. Yeah. I mean, in the rare instances – That's the place, floor. Rare instances, the Phillies had a base runner against them. They had one base hit and 11 at-bats. Um, last year in the World Series, again, this is a complete 180. Ten runs and four and two-thirds innings over two starts. The lone run, uh, game two, came off a sack fly in the seventh, uh, and that was when Montero allowed an inherited base runner to score. Uh, and again, in the eighth inning, this got interesting. Bryce and Scott worked a lead-off walk. Schwarber just misses a home run twice. They went to the replay. Um, Kyle Tucker on the second attempt. 353-foot fly ball to right that he caught directly in front of the wall. Uh, and Fromberg, this is something really cool 
Uh, it was his first time that his dad ever watched him pitch live. Uh, he has a huge fear of flying, but he traveled from his native Dominican Republic to Houston because he couldn't miss the moment. Frommer delivered in front of his father. Really cool stuff. And we criticize umpires a lot, but we're going to give them some more props here. Uh, the umpire auditor on Twitter goes through the ball strike calls over a course of a game and gives an umpire a score. Uh, Pat Horberg, or Pat Hoberg, he didn't miss a single call beyond the plate. He had the perfect game. There were no missed calls one way or the other. Uh, I think the first perfect game they've had since 2015. Good to see Major League Baseball at least got it right and had the best dumps on the biggest stage behind the plate here. Yeah, this was cool. Twitter liked this guy. So let's talk about the rest of the series going forward. You know, I, I think your prediction was Astros in five. I was going Astros in six. Um, I'm going to stick with that, honestly. I, I, I just think you watched these past two games. And I think I think there's a possibility the Phillies steal the night. I just think in a game four situation, I know Suarez has been so gutsy out of the bullpen. But Christian Javier was probably the most under-the-radar stud in baseball this year in game four. And as bad as Verlander was uh, in game one, I still like him and Fromber in game five and game six. Wheeler and Nola, they've ridden them so hard, and deservedly so. Both guys have delivered. It just looks like they might be out of gas. I think I, I kind of like the Astros in six now. I, I, I don't think they're going – if they go into – like, look, I think they're going to be the World Series champs no matter what. But if you go into Philadelphia and win three in a row, you fucking earned that title. Yeah, credit to you at that point. So game three is tonight. But at this time next week, we will have a new World Series champion one way or the other. And we think it'll be Houston, but we've thought I thought it'll be Houston for I think the last three years now. Also, can oh can you make that announcement that you texted me last night? It was very important. Oh yes, no, I did decide something. Um, it seems like people really, really hate Houston, and I think I'm gonna have to move the America's team label off of the Houston Astros and onto America's team, the Buffalo Bills. The Buffalo Bills are now America's team. Houston Astros are not. And if you need, Bryson give you a long elaboration, um, but I will agree for three reasons. Buffalo Wings. Sick. Jumping through tables. Sick. And Josh Allen. Josh do it. They're so, really good. I like I I whatever. We will be we have more time for football non sequiturs in the offseason. All right, let's talk about some managerial and front office shakeups past week. We had two new managers, uh, and for me, what was a very surprising move, uh, a front office executive stepping down. Uh, but the first one is the Royals hired a candidate uh, who for the past couple of years has been a Bavada favorite in a lot of managerial searches, came from the Rays uh, coaching staff, and he finally got the big job this year, um, and that is Matt uh, Quattraro. He is their new manager. Uh, he turns 49 years old, and it is his first major league baseball opening uh excuse me first managerial um hiring hiring i don't know my words are mumbled right now it's first time being a manager in major league baseball uh he's interviewed with at least six other teams in the past two years including the marlins mets ace pirates tigers and giants uh, and he was reportedly a finalist in at least three of those jobs made it to the final stages of the hiring process with the pirates mess and most recently the marlins before the teams went another direction uh and he takes over a royals team looking to turn the corner after a rebuild 
Kansas City, six straight losing seasons, the last two coming, uh, after which the Royals made by their standards some notable free agent decisions. Um, and John Sherman, the owner, clean house. David Moore, president of baseball ops, long time, 15, 16 years. World Series winning team president, he's gone. Manager Mike Matheny was both fired. Uh, and now J.J. Piccolo, new GM, new president. Uh, this is a completely new page in their history. Um, and Quattraro brings a new voice to the proceedings. Does have a link to owner John Sherman. Uh, Sherman was a minority owner in Cleveland during his four-season tenure as the Indians' assistant hitting coach from 14 to 17. Uh, and that stint in Cleveland was his only experience outside of the Rays organization. Uh, he was an eighth-round pick for the Rays in 96, seven years as a player. That was a good run in Cleveland. Huh? That was a very good run in Cleveland. Yeah, I mean, that was probably over that stretch they're the best team in the American League. Yeah. Um, moved throughout the Rays farm system as a coach, hitting coordinator, catching instructor, and manager. Spent the last five seasons on the uh, Tampa Bay MLB coaching staff, third base coach, and then he, since 2019 has been Kevin Cash's bench coach. Uh, Kevin Cash will need to find a replacement, but it will be interesting to see if Quadro can bring the so-called Rays magic to Kansas City. Uh, he's one of seven known candidates in the search, uh, and he was one of four from outside of the organization itself. I don't know a lot about uh, Quadro. I can't even keep, I keep saying his name wrong. I think Matt Q. Yeah. Matt Q. We're going to call him for the sake of this podcast. You know, I don't know a lot about him, but when you look at what major league baseball has done in terms of people taking over from the Rays, being a coach, uh, a coach, a manager front office. I mean, James click in Houston is a recent example, high in bloom in Boston, Andrew Friedman, obviously being the ultimate example. They get the most out of their talent. Uh, Matty Q. Quattraro. He got to learn how to manage under Kevin Cash. You say what you want about him personality-wise or the Blake Snell decision, but one of the what best managers in baseball we've had over the past 10 years. Overall, look, I, I think this Royals team, they have a lot of young talent to develop, which was the Rays' forte. And ultimately, I think there won't be a ton of expectations right away. So for a first-year manager, uh, I think this is a really good fit. What are your thoughts? This seems like they just they had to hire somebody. This isn't a very desirable job. There's not a ton. This isn't an attractive opening. It's not a city like Miami. It doesn't have the talent as Chicago does. It's like I guess Texas is right in between. And this is a. Like, I'm so I'm not surprised that this isn't a flashy hire. This is this sounds right. They'll hope they can capture some of the Rays magic. And if we're still doing this podcast three years from now, I mean, we may we'll probably be talking about another Royals magic. And I think to their credit, at least they didn't hire like the random, completely outside of the box candidate in an effort to. No, not- they gave a guy. They gave a guy who paid his dues and deserved a shot. Yep, perfectly said. Uh, and let's talk about that city, Miami. You mentioned the Marlins, and in this case, you a former big leaguer. Uh, they announced Tuesday that Cardinals bench coach Skip Schumacher, new manager of the Miami Marlins, who replaces Don Mattingly, who spent seven years as the manager before they mutually agreed to part ways uh, this year. Joe Espada, the Astros bench coach, also interviewed for the job. Uh, Quattraro interviewed, and Yankees third base coach Luis Rojas. They were known candidates. Uh, Skip Schumacher is a guy you and I watched growing up. Cardinals, Dodgers, Reds, played in the bigs for 10 years, 2005 to 2015. Announced his retirement in 2016. Uh, was hired by the Padres to be their first base coach in 2018. Uh, he was also, prior to the 2020 season, the associate manager not a title we have in Major League Baseball a lot. Uh, when the Cardinals parted ways with Mike Schilt, despite a solid run in the uh, dugout there, Ali Marmol took over and they had a vacancy at Bench Coast and they hired Schumacher, Schumacher to take that. Pairing worked well. Cards went 93 and 69. 
won the Central. Uh, Cardinals will now be looking for a new bench coach for the second year in a row. And again, for the Marlins, they are looking to take a turn after years of frustration. Outside of the pandemic, short in 2020 season, they haven't made the playoffs since way back in 2003. However, they have a strong pitching staff. Um, last year, Jorge Soler, Jacob Stallings, Joey Wendell, Avezo Garcia, they were expected to be upgrades, but they fell short at 69 and 93. Kimming, the GM, and the rest of the front office will surely be hoping Schumacher can help turn things around. Um, and again, former player, utility guy. It feels like if there were former players who get hired, a lot of them are either utility infielders or catchers just because those guys seem to know the game the best. Uh, and again, I mean, this guy was playing baseball seven years ago, rapid rise to the coaching ranks. He's young, 43 years old, you know, got a quick promotion in San Diego, got poached by two different organizations, which shows the respect he has along the game. You and I both talked about a lot of the candidates for this job. Personally, I would have gone with a Latin American player, uh, higher just because they do have a lot of young Latin American talent. Uh, and on top of that, I think that player would manager would have been able to connect with the Miami market a bit more. Uh, but if you weren't going to go that route and you were going to give somebody a shot for the first time, seems like Skip Schumacher has been universally respected. It's been a lot of a part of part of a lot of winning clubhouses as a coach in a short tenure uh, in the coaching ranks. Uh, we'll see what would happen to be honest. As much as I love Donnie can't be much worse. Yeah. Again, Miami, it's, it'll be a big mystery forever. Well, Miami's not better at baseball. I mean, I guess if the owners don't spend on talent. But Miami should be – you should want to play in Miami. Like, Miami's cool. Miami – don't overthink it. Miami's a cool place to live, cool place to work, cool place to be. Uh, and Schumacher – people like – I think players like former players. You know, there's like – guy's been there before. He's done it. You see, yeah, they should have an easier time connecting. Uh, and again, he's done. This isn't just give a former player a job because he's a former player. It's Schumacher earned it. He went through the coaching ranks and did it. So at the end, of the day, I don't think this is going to do much for the wins and losses because I don't think that teams are. Yeah, I, and I also think the big thing is, you know, you mentioned that players want to play for other players. I I also think specifically when you hire a guy who you know had to grind a little bit, a utility guy like Skip Schumacher, I I think there's that level of respect you might not get elsewhere because they know he had to work for everything he got as a major league baseball player. This wasn't a top player. This wasn't a perennial all-star. This is a guy who stuck around and now did the same thing in the coaching ranks. I mean, it's like, if you think, again, we're going other sports to, like Wayne Gretzky's a terrible hockey guy. Wayne Gretzky was a disaster with the Coyotes. Because you're co when you're coaching, if you're that good, I don't think, uh, Ted Williams, I don't think, was a very good manager. Magic Johnson with the Lakers. It's because... The, it, if you're that good... When you see somebody struggling, it's hard to, to understand why. Why? What is – he's not me. It's hard to coach people who aren't as good as you. It's why I think Derek Jeter will never be a manager. If you watch that Jeter piece and your takeaway was Jeter should be in a clubhouse, you watch the wrong show. <laughs> that's that's very fair. Let's go to – he, he would be – that's not taking a shot at Jeter. Jeter, Jeter would admit that pretty quickly, I would. Yeah, and and if you can't tell that we love Jeter, you don't listen to this podcast enough. Did you see Belichick going off about Jeter today? He said that uh, he compared Jabril Peppers to a shortstop, right? And then they said, who's your favorite shortstop? And he said it would have to be Derek Jeter. wonder how that plays in Boston. Dude, you know what? Game recognizes game. They're all, they're winners. They are winners. Belichick would have loved Jeter. Jeter would have never left him. Yeah, they would have never. They, either, they either would have been the perfect pair or they would have killed each other. Well, I think he and Tommy were the perfect pair. And they didn't kill each other. But now 
Brady's wife's going to kill him in a divorce hearing. I digress, though. Uh, big surprise to me in Milwaukee. Uh, David Stearns is stepping down as president of baseball house, but will remain in the club in an advisory capacity, capacity the team announced. GM Matt Arnold will now oversee the baseball operations department. Um, at the press conference announcing his decision, Stearns said he's not going anywhere and will remain in Milwaukee. He may pursue other opportunities in the future, but it's a rather firm declaration that for the time building Time being, he has no plan to join another organization. He rather added he's looking forward to taking a deep breath, spending time with his family, and exploring uh, some other interests. Harvard grad has been running baseball ops for the Brewers since 2015, and prior to that was an assistant GM in Houston, director of baseball ops in Cleveland. Um, and Arnold will receive autonomy over a baseball ops department for the first time in his career. Uh, he was a hired away from the Rays in 2015 to serve as assistant GM, promoted to GM in 2020. Um this was really interesting to me. I mean, prior to hiring Stearns in 2015, the Brewers had only won two division titles dating back to 1969, and they reached the postseason on four occasions. They won the Central in 2018 and 2021. They had a 3-2 lead in the NLCS in 2020 or in 2018. And under Stearns' leadership, they reached the playoffs in four consecutive years from 18 to 21. He was responsible for getting Woodruff and Burns. Uh, he traded for Freddie Peralta, Eric Lauer, Adrian Hauser, and Really, I mean, this to me has been the best extended stretch of baseball in Milwaukee's history. I mean, look, people are going to give Stern's crap about the Josh Hader trade, but whatever. Up until the postseason, that didn't really work out for both teams. Uh, so I'm interested to see. I mean, Dan Arnold, it, it's again, it's always weird to me when somebody's number two takes over because it's like how much change will there actually be? Well, I don't think they want that much change. Like you said, this is the best run in, I mean, this consistent run in Brewers history. I guess in this case it will be how much will be the same or how much will Arnold put his own mark. Um, and, and then I'll guess you, I'll, I'll ask you this. What are the Bavada odds that by I'll say 2024, David Stearns is running the Mets because this was the guy that Steve Cohen wanted from the get-go has done so much with so little, clearly a great baseball mind, but the Brewers always said he was under contract. Now that he stepped down, how long do you really see him in an advisory role? And at what point does Cohen try to really poach him and get somebody above Billy Epler? Do we not believe him when he says he wants to spend more family time? I believe him, but I also believe that if Steve Cohen offered him $10 million a year to run his front office, he's moving to New York. Yeah, 2024 and a half is a good uh, Bovada over under date. All right, I'll go with 2025. Uh, so front office change in Milwaukee. And unfortunately, there will be not be a front office or a change in the clubhouse for the New York Yankees. Aaron Boone's back for 2023. Sounds like Brian Cash is going to be back as well, but that is not official yet. Hal Steinbrenner spoke to the AP last week and he said, as far as Boone's concerned, we just signed him. And for all the same reasons I listed a year ago, I believe he's a very good manager. I don't see a change there. Boone took over in 2018. Club's been in the postseason every year that he's been the manager, all five seasons. First manager in baseball history to do that. As the 2021 season winded down, him and the Yanks agreed to a three-year extension to cover 2022 to 2024 club options for 2025. Three wildcard berths, AL East titles in 19 and 22. We just got embarrassed by the Astros in a four-game sweep. Uh, despite the 427 and 281 managerial record, a lot of Yankee fans, me and you included, we were clamoring for Aaron Boone to lose his job. Um, I don't know. I'll let you go first. I get, I'm not surprised that this happened, but it's really disappointing that the Yankees are running it back with the status quo. Again, as we said it all last week, I think this is the huge difference. I mean, George would, George would never stand for this. Of course not. This is where you see the, the son in charge. He's now where, like, it's the New York Yankees. It shouldn't be penny pinching, but that's what it's screen. It's, it reeks of, 
we didn't want to pay this guy on the way out. It feels like they just didn't want to pay Boone to not manage. And even if it means wait a year, I got wait a year to get rid of him so we can make less a uh, less contract buyout. I mean, it's a, it's a money thing. Just get rid of him. Like I don't think Boone has like the Yankees roster is an elite roster. Like you say what you want, this is a really really good roster where you have MVP caliber hitters. You got Aaron Judge who almost won the Triple Crown, hit sixty two homers. You pay Garrett Cole like three hundred million dollars. Giancarlo Stanton, another $300 million guy. Like, you can't run back this team. You either need to do a big personnel change or a big coaching change because this combination has reached its peak. And I get it. Look, the team had flaws. Benintendi and LeMay, you were hurt in the postseason. The guys didn't hit. And on a certain level, that's not on Boone. And I get how hard it is to manage New York fans, the media, the expectations. I- I've just never seen, in sports in general, how different the perception is from a manager and the media and the fan base versus what people in baseball think of a guy. There were reports, Joel Sherman, who for my money is one of the most respected baseball writers out there for the New York Post, that if Boone were to get fired, he would be a top five in-demand manager across all baseball. And I just don't get how that's the case. I get he's got good communication skills and he can handle the media. But he time and time again has shown when it comes to strategic acumen, especially in big situations, he's just not that guy. He's not him. I, I, I'll just never understand it. We'll see what happens with Brian Cashman. But for now, Aaron Boone, Yankee fans, we did not get our wish. Uh, one fan base who did get their wish for a plethora of reasons in the past week is the St. Louis Cardinals. Uh, Nolan Arenado faced an opt-out decision this offseason just like last year, but he is going to remain with the Cardinals. He exercised his opt-in clause. Five years, $144 million. Uh, year one in St. Louis in 2021, 255, 312, 494 slash line. He did not opt out, uh, but this year he put himself in the MVP conversation. 293, 358, 533 slash line, 30 home runs. Likely going to win his 10th consecutive gold glove. Uh, he's turning 32 in April, so that might have limited his odds and adding much way of years in his current pack. Uh, 28.8 million AAV, though. I feel like he probably would have opted out and exceeded that, even with St. Louis. In my mind, this is going to be like the classic what CC and A-Rod did with the Yankees back in the day. You opt out with every intention to stay. You just add another year and some dollars. Um, but in terms of a fit, St. Louis, best fan base in baseball. Nolan Arenado is that all-around superstar. Just does the little things right, and I think everybody across the game respects. Uh, thoughts on this, and my question for you was, had he opted out and hit free agency, what would the Bavada over-under have been, in your mind, in dollars and cents? I feel like he's – I think he has the right contract. So the opt-out would have just been, like, an extra year, maybe. What's his AAV right now? Uh, it's about 29 and a half. Yeah, maybe you'd take it up to an extra year and make him slightly over 30, but – I think Arenado has done everything in his career, anything an individual can do in their career. Uh, I'm sure of MVP. He wants to win. Arenado, he seems like the kind of guy who actually cares about winning. And St. Louis is a place that he feels like he can win. And maybe he actually, I think he did a team-friendly move and wanted to uh, just get more money for free agents. Two takeaways are one, he's going into Cooperstown as a Cardinal now, and two, good Lord, does that Anthony Rendon contract look even worse now? I mean, it's the fucking Angels. They really can't do anything. It's everything the Angels do seems to backfire on them. 
Like the Rendon thing is so bad that I mean it's weird that those rumors of uh I don't think Otani's getting dealt unless there's some sort of signal of the sale of the team. But it's so bad with Rendon, he's being floated out as a sweetener or you will do the Angels a favor. You can get Otani, but you have to take on Rendon. It's amazing. That, it really is amazing that 2019 Nationals team, outside of Scherzer at this point, Patrick Corbin's the worst pitching contract in baseball. Trey Turner. I'm saying, of the, I should, let me rephrase that. The big money guys now. Harper, no, Harper wasn't even there. Strasburg, I don't think, has really pitched since then. Uh, and and Rendon, it's amazing that that as a World Series team, three years later, might be the worst position player and pitching contract in all of baseball. Um, I don't even. Who would you even put in the running? Life comes at you fast. But who would, who has a worse contract than Rendon and Patrick Corbin right now? I honestly can't think of any at the moment. Like the stand-in contract sucks for us, but at least he like the contracts playoffs. Stan contributes. I don't like the Stan slander. Stan contributes to the team. We saw when Stan hit that home run that came right at us at the game. I've never seen anything like that in my life. And the Yanks still paying Jacoby Ellsbury? Probably not. I think a bunch of teams are still paying Cano. All right, we'll focus on the positive again in St. Louis. Uh, and that's Adam Wainwright. He's coming back for his 19th year with the St. Louis Cardinals. Base salary of seventeen and a half million, same as that's a fuck year. lot of more. I thought that's way more than I thought he was getting. Ten million deferred though, and he's got a hotel. I just googled Adam Wainwright. Ten million. The deferments will be a million per year from twenty twenty four to twenty thirty three. So he'll probably get some extra money there. There'll be incentives if he reaches twenty eight starts, thirty starts. Those are five hundred k a piece. Uh, Wainwright was solid last year, kind of ran out of gas at the end by his own admission. Uh, but all told, 191 and two-thirds innings, 371 ERA. You know, 2021, he finished seventh in the Cy Young uh, voting, 305 ERA. Um, slight dip in velocity and strikeout percentage. But, you know, all told, again, I think he was just out of gas at the end of the year. If nothing else, if you're the Cardinals, you're going to get Jack Flaherty back. Nicholas Flaherty, Wainwright, you're now going to next year with a solid one, two, three. Uh, I feel and like you want one more. If I'm them, I've, if I'm them, I call uh, if DeGrom has any interest in coming over. Like, you know DeGrom? You don't think, think they can go for DeGrom? I think there's somebody else I'd go for. Rodone? Bingo. Well, that's why I was – I think Rodone makes more sense from a timeline perspective because now you got this Arenado goalkeeper. And you deal. need a lefty. I'm pointing to my left elbow right now. You guys can't see that, but you need a lefty. Yeah, Chase did just point to his You need elbow. a lefty, and you can't expect Jose Quintana to be that good again at this point. No, and we love Wayne. When Wayne Wright is one of the more – Beloved figures going right now. Uh, I, I really don't know what you can count on from him anymore. I mean, going back 2016 on, 489, 533, 469, 435, 343, 314, 376. Like, I mean, he's going to give you about a 4 ERA. Like, yeah. Like, he'll, he'll give you innings. Great to have in the clubhouse, but you can't go in. I wouldn't. You need to supplement that. Yeah, it's like a count on a reliable starter. 
So he said that 2023 will be his final season. Uh, he told everybody, just relax. Don't freak out about it. He's currently sitting at 195 wins. I would say bearing something catastrophic, he's going to crack the 200 win mark. Uh, if he gets to 15 wins, he said the number I'm looking at is not 200, but 210. Uh, 210 would allow him to pass Jesse Haynes for second all-time on the Cardinals wins list behind Bob Gibson. Uh, he also said he would like to catch John Smoltz, who locked 213 career victories. Um, again, 15 wins. Unlikely, but it's not out of the question. He had 11 this year. Again, you know, that's still a good team. Not out of the question. I honestly think the most interesting thing with Wayno will be what does his season look like not pitching the Adi for the first time ever? Oh, shit. I didn't even think about that one. That's a huge difference. Yeah, no, that's – that is something new. Just, I still think he'll – you know what? It's Wayne, right? I feel like – if Framber Valdez is more is six innings, six innings, three iron, Wainwright probably averages six innings, four. Is Wayno a guy, like, what does his retirement look like around baseball? I mean, the, the whole thing is a sham now that they didn't do anything for Pujols. My guess is he gets NL Central. Number retired for sure. His number retired, uh, yeah, that's not even the beat. Is he it's, a – and again, I say this without knowing what the vibe is for Cardinal statues. Is he a statue guy? No, because you know what Wainwright does better than anyone? Wainwright missed the 2011 season, but I feel like he gets credited for two rings. I still think even with just the one ring, though, he was on the mound the last out of a World Series. He's not a statue guy. I, I pull holes in more like. Pools, unless if they give him oh, and Yachty uh, together. Of course, Pools and Yachty, though. But yeah, but dude, statues are hard. I mean, I, I almost think honestly, now you just said that, do some kind of like a spring training statue with Wayno pitching the Yachty and Pools in the batter's box, wearing an Angels jersey. No, it's like you know they're doing like a inner squad scrimmage type of thing. No, but I feel like. I mean, the cost of copper is going up with the oil. All right, next topic then. Uh, the Cardinals also announced that their hitting coach, Jeff Albert, nor their pitching coach, Mike Maddox, will return next season. Uh, bullpen coach Brian Eversgard will also not return to his previous position. He'll be a special assistant. Um, so they need a bench coach. They need a hitting coach. They need a pitching coach. What are the odds that we get Albert Pujols hitting coach, Yachty bench coach, and Adam Wainwright pitcher pitching coach? Fairly high. I don't I don't think so. You know who I actually could see making it? Isn't Yachty do it? Yachty can't do it. Yachty's got a basketball team. You know who I actually think they should look to hire? And if not, I could see Skip Schumacher offering him a job in Miami. Matt Holiday. Oh. Oh, Chris Carpenter. Chris Carpenter for pitching coach. Great. But I think Matt Matt Holiday in the locker room and in the dugout. um, Universally respected guy when he played. Beloved in St. Louis. Um, has coached with Oklahoma State the past couple of years, has to be doing something good around the house. His kid just went number one in the draft, so has to be able to teach the game on some level. I don't know, just food for thought. I mean, that's like that, – that could work. I mean, why well, sure. Where did his kid get drafted? Baltimore? Number one overall. Baltimore, right? Yep, number one overall to the Orioles. A uh, couple of awards and a couple of award finals. Uh, one thing about the Orioles. Did you see uh... – the tweet, I saw a tweet this morning. He, um, they were showing old Christian McCaffrey Stanford highlights. Um, Adley got him on a kick return once. Did you see the video? Did you send me the video of that high school game with Correa? 
No, it's Correa. It was a game, famous Jameis. It was Max Fried in high school in an all-star game. Max Fried pitching, Carlos Correa hitting, and Jameis Winston stole home. Jameis Winston, he's he's, he's an enigma. He's he's something. He was really good at baseball. Like the Jameis baseball thing was it's not Russell Wilson. Jameis Winston Jameis Winston, if he I, I don't know what his NFL future is. If Jameis Winston wants to give this baseball thing a shot, I think he can make the lead. Oh, Jameis Winston, without a doubt. I mean, he would have been a first-round pick. He was a preseason All-American. No, Jameis can play. Jameis, it's not Tebow, and I love Tebow. It's not Broncos country. Let's ride. Like, All right, some quick not, award. Quick it's award. not quite Kyler Murray, who seems to be so fed up with Kingsbury that he might want to go back to baseball. Yep, we'll see. Tough to give up $150 million. couple award winners. Sporting News gave out their awards. Again, this has nothing to do with the BBWAA, but is usually a good indicator. Aaron Judge, Player of the Year. Spencer Strider. Not Michael Harris and our Rookie of the Year. And I'll come back Player of the Year, Brandon Jury. Manager of the Year was Buck. AL Rookie of the Year was Julio. AL Comeback Player of the Year, Verlander. Brandon Hyde, Manager of the Year. And MLB Executive of the Year was Chris Antonetti from the Guardians. Um, yeah, I agree with most of those. Yeah, like we gave our picks. None of these are out are too far. I think the big one, we um, used to run around a week after I added on this, but I think Francona. I would vote Frank Conner manager of the year, but the if, high, they, high if they gave it to Hyde, I would say, cool. Dude. Yeah, that's not that's nothing, nothing, nothing wrong there. Fielding Bible Award winners. Uh, this is by SIS Baseball. Um, it is, you know, not going to show up on a baseball reference page, but for fans in the sabermetrics community, big deal when it comes to defense. Jose Trevino for the Yankees is a catcher. Tommy Edmond utility. Christian Walker first, Brandon Rogers second, Jorge Mateo at short, Nolan Arenado at third, Stephen Kwan in left, Miles Straw in center, Mookie Betts in right, and Ranger Suarez pitching. Just nice for the Yankees to get some love for a defensive player. We do not have that very often. And nice for Ranger Suarez because he's like in a weird innings thing. He's not eligible for the gold glove, but he's widely considered the best really pitcher. All right, let's go through the Silver Slugger finalists. There's four at each position. I'll rattle them off, and we'll just say the winners. The predicted winners. Our predicted winners, sure. All right, American League first base, Nathaniel Lowe, Vlad Jr., Jose Abreu, Rizzo. Uh, Vlad will win it, but Nathaniel Lowe should win it. I'm going Vlad. Second base, AL Altuve, Andre Semenez, Simeon, DJ LeMayu. As much as I love Simeon and Altuve ball now. really turned the season around, yeah. I, that's what I heard. A lot of steals. <laughs> uh, I'm going to go with Andre Semenez here. I, I agree. He Good for him. Uh, AL third base, Devers, Jose, Bregman, Chapman, Jose in a landslide. Yep, good Cleveland. Shortstop is an interesting one. I actually thought about this one quite a bit. Bobachet, Xander, Correa, Seager. Correa might have had the best all-around year. Seager had the most home runs. Uh, but I'm going to just go yeah, Bobachet. You're going uh, Bichette? I'm going to go <laughs> Bichette. I think that finish was just so hot. I would say, for me, it was down to him. I, Bogarts was just consistent all year. Bogarts had the highest average. Hey, you, you know I love me some Xander. Well, I'll take Bogarts, but I Bichette was unbelievable down the stretch. Outfield finalists, Judge, J-Rod, Tucker, Trout, Rosarina Springer, Taylor Ward, Anthony Santander, Dallas Garcia, and Tioscar. Um, I'm going to go Judge, Tucker, Judge. And Trout. Julio just misses. I have Judge and Trout. Um, like, so I give Trout credit where it's due. Um I want to get. I'm going to go with Julio. I just think sometimes you got to give 
you want to anoint that next guy, and Julio has done everything thus far. Is that guy? So let's make it work. Let's give. And they some- gave it to Julio over Kyle Tucker. I wouldn't bat an eye. Catcher: Alejandro Kirk, Sean Murphy, Cal Rally, Adley Rushman, Salvador Perez, Martin Maldonado. Alejandro Kirk will win this, and I think he deserves it. But everything you just said about Julio, I'm going to apply to Adley. And everything. Who did you? T- and if they give it to Adley over Alejandro Kirk, wouldn't bat an eye. Perfect. Uh, DH Otani, move along. Although oh, you know what though? I wouldn't give Otani the silver slugger. I said Jordan. Oh yeah, no, you're right. It is Jordan. Jordan. I have to look closer at the numbers. I think Otani gets it just because they like to vote for Otani for stuff. Um, circling all the way back to the JT thing, Adley is his biggest competition. But that list of AL catchers, silver slugger finalists was not an overwhelming list. That was a very eh list of people. Yep, I agree. Moving to the net. Oh, utility. There's utility silver slugger now. I'm not sure what they're doing with this utility. This utility has to go. Arias, Otani, DJ, Luis Rangifo. Give Um, Otani this one on Jordan DH. Yeah, it should be Arias, but we'll give it to Otani. Oh, yeah. Oh, give it to fucking Arias. Arias won the match. This is a good race. NL first base. Goldie, Freeman, Alonzo, Olsen, Walker. Hot take. I'm going to give Goldie the MVP and Freeman the silver slugger. I got to give Goldie this one. I think the word slugger makes me think. But it comes to silver slugger, I'm way too biased towards home runs. Because it's got the word slugger in the award. You just think, Bryce, smash. Slugger. Second base. McNeil, Cronenworth, Marte, Wong, Brendan Rodgers. McNeil. McNeil won the batting title. Yep, McNeil did with the title. NL third base, Machado, Nolan Arenado, Riley, Justin Turner. Austin Riley mashed. Arenado was the best probably all around, but we're giving it to your boy, Manny. This is a good battle, the uh, Machado-Arenado stuff. I hope that they can – I want them to, like, get in a fight or something. Like, I want them to be more – because I want this Arenado-Machado storyline to be more of more at the forefront of baseball coverage. Because they're two unbelievable defenders and offensive players at third base in the NL. And I just want – and it's like, damn, Austin Riley's good. But he isn't in these guys' league. Like, these are two – especially not defensive. So maybe they get in a fight. Maybe, like, Arenado goes on with a hard slide or something. And then it's like, yeah, watch out. Anyway, so I'm taking a – I'll take whichever one you did not take. Right. So you got Arnado then. Shortstop, Trey Turner, Willie Domus, Lindor, Dansby. Honestly, you could give it to any of them. I'm going to just go Trey. Maybe like Trey. But Outfield. Outfield, pick three. Mookie, Schwarber, Soto, Marte, Jock Peterson, Michael Harris, Brendan Reynolds, Brian Reynolds, Hunter Renfro, Nemo. Uh, not a great list, so I'm going to go Mookie, Schwarber. I'm going to go with the kid, Michael Harris. Soto hit 250. Yeah, it should not be Soto. I uh, it's Schwarber, Mookie, and then I don't really care. Dartboard. Dartboard. You want to do the kid thing, and it's like, all right, we gave three kids silver. We gave three rookie silver sluggers this year. One of them has to be the dude. Catcher. Will Smith, JT, Wilson Contreras, Darnold. Even though we have friends who think Travis Darnold should be a Hall of Famer, um, I'm still going to go with uh, JT. With JT. JT gets the edge because of the steals. 20 steals is not nothing. That's like a real – that's a legitimate amount of steals. 
Ready. Good news. Good news for us. Harper appeared in 99 games. The minimum to qualify for a silver slugger to position is 100 games. So he's ineligible to win at DH. So we're giving it to Albert, and we're not even going to say the rest of the candidates. If any of the – yeah, they're going to be like if, – if somebody wins it over Albert, I wouldn't be surprised if he got some uh, – if he gets Billy Madison for that. Get to Billy Madison by that. What do you mean? I don't know, but I don't. I want. I don't want to make it seem like I'm threatening somebody on a podcast. But I wouldn't put it past me to go to his house and light dog poop on fire. Well, um, it's better than what I was thinking, which is uh, Steve Buscemi with the shotgun. <laughs> Glad I called that guy. Last but not least, utility Brandon Jury. Yeah, the utility. I'm, not, I'm like, I got more anger at utility the second time. I Brandon Jury, Tommy Edmond, Tiaro Estrada, McNeil, Chris Taylor. We already gave it to McNeil. Like, why do we need? Like, can you read those names again? Brandon Jury, Tommy Edmond, Tiaro Estrada, McNeil, Chris Taylor. It makes sense for the Gold Glove. Not to be a dick of, to those five individuals, but we don't need to make up a category, make up categories for that quintet. Yeah, that was just, just give it a jury. Jury hit 28 home runs with 87 RBIs. That's like Brandon Drury, Silver Slug. That's like that. That's weird. We're getting close to participation award. I feel I, the I, I feel the least angry about that one. All right, some tweets of the week, real quick. Um, coming into the World Series, the last team to beat the Astros was the Phillies, and the last team to beat the Phillies in a series was the Astros. Rob Thompson's 111 regular season games managed are the fewest for any non-player manager to reach the World Series. Astros are the fifth team in World Series history to build a five-run lead um, in each of the first two games. Each of the previous four won the series. Bregman's sixth career World Series home run is two more than any other player in th- World Series history at third base. Um, if I were to ask you right now, Justin Verlander is obviously going to be the answer here. Uh, mm-hmm. Verlander has the most postseason game one starts with 12. He's now started a World Series game in three decades. Who do you think is tied with him for the most world, uh, postseason game one starts in history? I think I saw it. Is it Lester? Lester? Lama Lester. Oh, boy. Good for John. What a crazy nickname it's just throughout there, Chase. Always seemed like a guy. You know what? I would call him Nestor the Molester, too, to be fair. Lester? Lester was a winner. Man, Lester, dude, was on good teams a lot. Never figured out that pickoff move. Never. But it ultimately didn't matter. No, it didn't. Except for that one time when it did, when Kansas City ran wild again. Yeah, but that's a fun game. But you said you said it last week. That was a team of destiny that didn't win the World Series. (laughs) I think I described them as a rare instance when making it to the World Series was good enough. Sometimes second place is okay. Sometimes third is too. I'd say Chase, if we ever get if we really have a dead week in the offseason. And we want to just talk about it. That a that wild card game, I can see us just like doing it. Yeah, we could do a rewatch on that. Um, JT Realmuto, first player in postseason history to have an inside and extra innings home run in his postseason career. Um, this was the sixth time in baseball history that rookies have started at the same infield position for both teams in the World Series. Jeremy Payne and Bryce and Scott both starting at shortstop. Uh, Realmuto hit the third extra inning home run in game one of the World Series ever. Um, and he became just the fourth catcher to hit a home run in extra innings in the World Series in 1903. Kyle Tucker joins Gene Terrence, Andrew Jones, and Pablo Sandoval as the fourth player all-time in the homer in each of his first two plate appearances in the World Series. 
quick pivot here. Brock Holt retired as the only MLB player ever with three-plus appearances in every position besides catcher and to have a World Series title. Jeremy Pena this year hitting two with a minimum of 50 games. The Astros were 49-7, and seven, which was the best winning percentage ever with a player in a certain lineup spot. And last but not least, Jim Brown. When you think of Jim Brown, we think of the Hall of Fame football player and actor. I knew he was a great lacrosse player. Um, he held the Long Island High School basketball single-game scoring record with 38 at one point. Do you know who broke that scoring record? What was the – what's the record? It was 38 points. Jim Brown had the Long Island High School basketball single-game scoring record until this person broke it. Was it a recent break? No. Dr. J? All I will say is it is a Hall of Famer, but it is another Hall of Famer who had nothing to do with basketball. That's why Dr. J would have been. Dr. J had too much to do with basketball. Random Long Island Hall of Famers in other sports? Um, Meanie, meanie, miney. Who the fuck is a Long Island guy? I... Yeah, I have no. I'm just gonna have to guess a random athlete that I like. It's probably a baseball guy. I think yes, baseball guy from Long Island. Um, yeah, I have no clue. Um, let's go with the back. Final guess. Let's make a guess here. I I gotta make a guess. I'm. Let's make guess. Josh, but I'm gonna a Hall of Famer though. Okay, one Hall of Famer, random dude, Long Island. Five, four. Three, two, one. Final answer. Gaylord Perry. Isn't it ironic that the quintess, probably outside of Ted Williams, the biggest Red Sox legend ever is a guy from the Hamptons, Carl Yastrzemski. I'm not a, I'm not a Hamptons guy, and I'll leave it at that. All right, there's our fun fact of the week. Any concluding thoughts for this week's podcast? Uh, stay healthy, vaccinated, you know the drill. Um, read a book. Books are good. Big music week for me, aside from the World Series. I'm seeing a uh, Grateful Dead show being released for the first time on video uh, 50 years later from the Europe 72 tour tomorrow. And I'm going with the Scatico crew to see Marshall Tucker Band and Southside Johnny Thursday at the Beacon. If you're going to either, shoot me a text. Always love to see friends and music. Other than that, like we said, there will be a World Series champion at this time next week. Stay tuned. Watson Baseball. And as Bryce said, stay healthy. With Bryce Holden, my name is Chase Medorsky. This is the Underdog Sports Baseball Show. Have a great week. <laughs>